Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter... <laughs> oh. <clears throat> I hope we're... Are we online? Oh, man. Oh, we are. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4 please, in your Bibles, and then page 209 in your books, <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> we are going to be talking about something tonight that uh, oftentimes, to be perfectly honest, pastors try to avoid this subject. Uh, I, I know it's not the kind of subject I look forward to speaking about, um, but it is a necessary uh, thing, and um, the Bible uh, tells tells me as a pastor that I need to teach the whole counsel of God, not just what makes me feel good. <clears throat> so we're, we're going to be talking about something uh, tonight. We're going to hopefully finish uh, this chapter tonight. That's the, the, our goal anyway. Um but page 209, uh, near the bottom, your next blank uh, is resolve differences biblically. <clears throat> resolve differences biblically. Um, every relationship, the, the, the book continues here, says every relationship is uh, of, of importance encounters conflict. And relationships with others in your church are no exceptions. <clears throat> how you resolve conflict, uh, however, will undermine or strengthen that relationship. So what we're going to talk about tonight is the fact that <clears throat> conflict happens in churches. Um, and uh, God knew in eternity past when he set up the entire human race um, <clears throat> set it up, I, you know, created, you know, okay, same thing. Um, and then, and then knowing that after Christ, that the local New Testament church would be in place, uh, he <clears throat> planned to have a, a something in place to help with conflict. Um, whenever you get two people together, you're going to have two opinions. Uh, it's, it's as simple as that. Uh, one of the <clears throat> misunderstandings um, that um, I know when I got saved, uh, I kind of looked at church through rose-colored glasses. And, uh, you know, I've talked, to, I've talked to a lot of people over the years that say, Wow, the, you you mean you have oh almost fell. Um, you you actually have trouble in churches. You know people don't just just get her in a big circle, hold hands, and sing kumbaya all the time. You know, um, I mean that's a great that's great in theory, and and in in actuality, well not the kumbaya thing we don't do, but we should you know if if. If everybody in the church is walking with God, will there be conflict? No. 
Okay, you'll you'll have disagreements, okay, but you won't have conflict. But but what happens is is it feasible to think that everybody in a church can walk with God all the time? That's not feasible because we're human. And and we're gonna we're we're gonna we're gonna backslide. We're gonna we're gonna make choices oftentimes that are gonna affect other parts of the body of Christ. And how we resolve biblical difference our, our, our differences is critical. We need to do it biblically. <clears throat> uh, so we're we're gonna be talking about this tonight. Uh, <clears throat> conflict resolution in the uh, body of Christ can happen for, for, for many reasons. Very seldom, in fact, almost never, I shouldn't say almost never, just very seldom do conflicts happen because of um, how do I want to say this? Conflicts almost always happen. It's easier to say it this way. Conflicts almost always happen over personal differences, not doctrinal differences. Does that make sense? Okay, I like purple, you like blue, and I think the carpet should be green. Okay, <laughs> you, you know, paint the walls purple. Well, I want blue walls, and well, blue clashes with green, and purple matches green. And you know, I mean, it, it is, it is, it is absolutely insane what can cause conflicts. Now, I want you to think about something because we 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 have all had had conflict in our in our in our relationships, uh, marriage relationships, uh, personal relationships, friends, whatever. And I have, I've done this in aspect of my wife and I. I have thought back over the years and to be perfectly honest, and I'm just being honest here, my wife and I over the years, we've been married 40 years. We've had probably two or three really good fights. <laughs> I mean, just real good ones. You know what I mean? If you're married, you know what I mean. If you've been married more than 20 minutes, you know what I mean. And as I have thought back over these really good ones, not, not no, not not this, but I mean, just just yeah, just real good. I mean, just you know. Inten there you go. Intense discussions. As I have thought back over those intense discussions, I can say this. They were over something stupid. Every time. That, that's been our experience. My experience as a pastor, when I've gotten involved in relational, sometimes marital, sometimes friends, uh, different things, conflicts, almost always, not always, but almost always, 
it's over something really stupid. Or, or I shouldn't say I shouldn't use the word stupid. That's not politically correct. Um, uh, what was the word? Insignificant. There you go. <clears throat> That's a little nicer word. Avoidance of conflict with no effort to resolve it exacerbates the problem. Well, if she's going to treat me like that, then I'm just, I'm going to. And instead of trying to fix the problem, by trying by ignoring the problem, it actually makes it worse. Conflicts that are allowed to fester will have a negative effect on relationships within the body of Christ. just as an infection will spread throughout the body. When I, as most of you know, I had knee surgery a couple years ago that got infected, and the infection uh, started spreading throughout my body and almost, almost killed me. And that, that is a great picture of what con conflict can do in the body of Christ. Some of the, what's the word, um, evidences, I, I, is evidence a good word? Uh, some of the uh, manifestations, okay, of conflict um, uh, can be uh, anger, uh, bitterness, self-pity, envy. Th those were the four that I came up with. Anybody else want to throw in a couple? Yes, ma'am. Okay, very, okay. Uh, yes, absolutely. Pride, depression. Anybody else? Isolation. Okay, I, I asked you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Let's look at verse 31. Well, let, let's go back to verse 30. It says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby uh, we are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even <clears throat> as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Failure to obey the command to put away these things and bring in these things will almost always 
Well, no, there is no almost. It will grieve the Holy Spirit. If we do not put away bitterness and anger and wrath and clamor and all these things, and if we will not bring in uh, uh, love one another, uh, be tenderhearted, forgiving one another, if we will not do these things, the, the Holy Spirit of God will be grieved. Now, let me ask you a question because I th- this is one of the things that I've I've encountered as a pastor, and I've I have found it uh, interesting. Can a person see? How do I want to word this? Can a person be angry at someone else and at the same time forgive that individual? Think about the question. Can a person be angry with someone but yet forgive that individual? There you go. I've had people tell me, Hey, you need to work this out between between you two. Well, I I I have forgiven that individual. But I am not going to talk to that individual. <laughs> okay? Is there is there a problem with that? Okay? What that is is that is somebody who's wanting to hold on to anger, but they are quote-unquote, doing this spiritual thing and saying, oh, I forgave that individual, but I'm never going to talk to him again. Okay? So, so we need to be really, really careful here. Because if we are going to truly live, verse 32, and it says, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even for God, even as, excuse me, even as God, for Christ's sake, forgave you. See, we need to be really, really careful. Yes, ma'am. Just a question. Can you forgive someone, but yet they not trust them again? Oh, absolutely. Is that Okay, well, we're, we're going to get there. Okay, okay. Because... because <clears throat> um. How many of you have ever reached down to, to give a dog a, a treat and the dog nipped you? Oh, yeah. Okay? Okay? But later on, you give the dog another treat. But what do you do? You, you toss it to him. <laughs> okay? So when a person, for, for lack of better terminology, does you wrong, you're, 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 you're required to forgive that individual. But does that mean that you're going to give them the keys to your house, or, or the opportunity? You know, so so there's there's a fine line here. But if but if you if you hold on to that anger, see that's the key. Yes, exactly. It's when you hold on to that anger and you say with your mouth, "Well, I forgave that person." Well, your actions are proving different. Okay? 
<clears throat> so, um, Hebrews chapter 12. Turn over to, to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> Uh, let, let's uh, let's read uh, verse 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and therewith be defiled. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the root issue, the, the, the idea of the root here, but I, I do want to give you a, a, an illustration to kind of help you understand the importance of a root. Um, back many years ago, I worked for a big development company, and <clears throat> we we had purchased a, a, a big plot of land where there had been a, 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 a pecan grove back. This is in South Carolina. They call them pecans in South Carolina, not not pecans. Okay. <clears throat> anyway, this this pecan grove was was just mad. It was just it's huge, but the majority of the trees through the years, with all the hurricanes and di different things, the majority of the trees had, had were gone. But the development company bought these bought this land, and we were going to build homes in in there. And what we had to do, you, you remember these? I thought I took you out there and showed them to you. Anyway, these 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 pecan trees were were literally you know three four hundred years old. That's how old they were. And they were just massive. And so what we would have to do is before we could start construction on a house, we would have to take, you know those orange construction fences? You know what I'm talking about? We would have to go outside and the can you know what the canopy of a tree is? Yeah, the, okay, the drip line of the tree. We would have to put a construction fence all the way around this 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 tree, around the drip line or the canopy of the tree, so that no construction vehicles drove over the root system. How important are roots? They're very important. Okay. So, what is the word picture given to us here? That bitterness can act as a root. That's an amazing statement. The New Testament has multiple commands to believers <clears throat> that are demonstrating how we should treat one another. I'm just going to read these uh, for time's sake. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. Be kindly affectionate one to another uh, with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness without uh, which uh, no man shall see, God, uh, see the Lord. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 11. Finally, brethren... Farewell, be perfect, be of good comfort, 
be of one mind, living in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. When the Bible says to be perfect, does it does it mean to be sinless? No. no. What does it mean? To be mature. Okay, so he says be mature. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 2, with, uh, with all loneliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity in, of the Spirit in the bonds of peace. There are times <clears throat> despite all efforts of reconciliation that various issues prevent us from resolving conflicts within the church. We can try sometimes and for various reasons, you know, the the state there's a statement out there. I love this statement because I cling to this statement. I cannot make someone do anything. I, I cannot control what other people think, say, and do. But I can control what I think, say, and do. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 17. says, Moreover, if my brother shall trespass against thee, go to him, uh, uh, excuse me, go tell him his fault between <clears throat> uh, him alone. I, I, I love this. It doesn't say go to Facebook and tell everybody. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If, if you have conflict with a brother or sister in Christ, you need to go to them. It, it's that simple. Alone. And if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But... If he will not hear thee, then take with thee two, uh, uh, one or two uh, more, that in the mouth of two or three uh, witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Jesus very clearly gives uh, uh, gives steps to reconciliation. Now, the passage I just read you is a is a last resort. Most conflicts should be able to be handled one on one. If we are going to love like God loved, then we should be able to forgive like God forgave. Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4. Take heed to yourself. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day he turn again to thee, saying, I repent, you do not have to forgive him. Is that what it says? No, it, that's not what it says. It says, thou shalt forgive us. That kind of goes to what Angie was asking. You know, 
we we have to keep forgiving and we have to keep forgiving why is why is that so important right okay it is a it is an incredible picture of what god does for us but there is a practical application to this there you go okay but then there's there okay that's a i i actually hadn't thought of that <laughs> um but so there's another practical application there you go if 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 god said okay you only have to re- forgive them i don't know three times boy that fourth time what are, what are what is our human nature going to do boy man boy come on one more time baby <laughs> Come on, man. One, one more. <laughs> okay. But what is, what's he saying there? Just keep forgiving and forgiving. Because, because if you don't, that anger will set in. And it will consume you. It, it'll, it'll, it'll take root. Oh, it, it affects everything. An essential part of conflict has to be forgiveness. Now, years ago, we were in a church that a man in our church, this this is back almost another life ago, seems like, a man in our church had committed and been convicted of a pedophilia. Okay? He had gone to prison and he came back. And he went to the pastor and the deacons and asked them to forgive him and wanted to be reinstated as a member of our church. And the pastor and the deacons held a special meeting with the church and asked the church to allow him to come back in 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 membership of the church what would you do allow him to come back and not babysit my children right okay okay there was a man in the, in the church that night a different man who yet who stood up and he he yelled with almost a venomous tone am i right okay i will never forgive him because once a pedophile always a pedophile and there were people in the church, including this man, who got up and walked out. Yes, ma'am. Okay, well. Okay, now. <clears throat> now, when, okay. When this person was allowed back, okay, eventually, you know, cooler heads prevailed and and he was allowed back in the church with, I, I, I think uh, somebody said it, um, 
with parameters. Okay, he he was not allowed on church property by himself. Uh, if his wife was sick, he he could not come to church. I mean, there were there were there were parameters put in place. One of the things that um, we have faced here at our church <clears throat> is because of my work at the, out at the prison. Um, some of the guys out there are in prison for that very thing. And they have asked me, hey, when I get out, can I, can I come to your church? What do you do? Tell them no. So we have in place a, a plan of sorts so that if, if that ever does come to fruition, that there are parameters in place because we want to protect our children. Now, do we forgive them and love them through Christ? Absolutely we should. Should we be stupid and let them take over the nursery? Absolutely not. <laughs> so, <clears throat> we, we need to use wisdom. God, God gave us wisdom. Uh, and just so that you know, the guy very shortly after got caught running drugs and went back to prison. So it was a, it was a non-issue. <laughs> but anyway, I just I don't know why I told you that. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My point is this. What is, what is our motivation? What is our, what is our motivation? It, there you go. See, Christ, Christ can save a pedophile. I, I believe that. Or I wouldn't work at the prison. He can save a thief or an a embezzler or whatever. You know, murderers. And he can change them. And that is how we are supposed to love. But my, well, let, let, let me let me go on. Uh, Philippians uh, chapter two, verses two and uh, excuse me, verse chapter two, verses three and four says, "Let nothing be done." Through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let let us uh, each esteem other better than themselves. Uh, look not every man unto his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Philippians chapter four in verse two, I beseech uh, 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 Eudeus and I bes- and beseech Sentiki that they be of the same mind in Christ, in the Lord. Okay, <clears throat> the Philippian church um, had some conflict going on, and it was between two women in the church. Okay, and I'm not implying that women are troublemakers. That's not what I'm implying. I'm just reading scripture. Okay, <laughs> That's, okay. So uh, a, a lady named Eudius uh, and a lady named Syntyche. They were there. Something was going on. We don't know. We're not told what the conflict was. But there was conflict between these two women. 
And what did Paul tell them? He, he told them something incredibly simple. He said, have the same mind in the Lord. Did, did he say, hey, <clears throat> you guys have to stop this, shake hands, and get over it? No, that's not kind of that's kind of not what he that's not what he said really. He said, "Hey, you're going to have differences. But have the same mind in the Lord." What what does that phrase mean? Okay, the the mind of Christ, but in a practical sense, what does that phrase mean? Anybody? There you go. Have the same goals. You know, it's okay to, to have different differences of opinion, but as long as we're all working toward the same goal, all of a sudden our differences don't really seem to matter so much anymore. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yeah, John Mark and, and Barnabas and... Um, it seemed like there was, uh, he, he, uh, was it Peter? He called out Peter. Um, um, he says that, you know, he got face to face with Peter, you know, the, the, you know, but, uh, but, but you know what? <clears throat> they were able to continue in the ministry because they had the same goals and it didn't cause division. And oftentimes, because <clears throat> we get our feelings hurt. What is, what is the natural response when we get our feelings hurt? Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's that white hair of yours. <clears throat> <laughs> okay. Hurting people hurt people. But in reality, what should we do? We should love. One of the greatest lessons I learned was when I was in college. I had a guy who worked for me that did not like me. I I didn't really care one way or the other. You know, I, I didn't necessarily like him. I didn't dislike him. It just, you know, he worked for me. You know, it wasn't that big a deal to me. But this guy absolutely hated me. And he did everything he could do. Yeah, this is a Bible college. And he did everything he could do to make my life miserable. And because he worked for me, one day I, I, I thought, you know, I, I, was, I was actually in my office praying for him and asking God to give me wisdom on how to fix what this, the, the problem. Because I couldn't, every attempt that I had made in the past just, just fell flat. And here I was praying for him in my office, <clears throat> and the Lord said this to me. He said, don't pray for him, pray with him. 
So I called him on the radio. I said, I said, hey, come to my office. And uh, so he came to my office and he and he came in and he plopped down in the, in the chair. And I said, look, it's obvious you don't like me. And and to be perfectly honest, I don't care. I I really didn't. But I said it's not good. It's causing it's causing the cause of Christ to be to be hampered. And I said, this is what we're going to do. Every day at whatever time it was, you and I are going to meet right here. And we're going to pray for each other. And we started off and we started praying within a week. That wall came down. And we're still not good friends. (laughs) But whatever it was that was eating away at him, God took it away. And by the time I ended up leaving the college and and he ended up leaving, um, we got along great because we prayed together. You know, you cannot criticize somebody that you're praying with. The power of prayer. Give you a couple verses, then we'll move back to the book. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is the glory, it is his glory to pass over transgression. Matthew, excuse me, chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. Therefore, thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee. Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled with thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. What is the, what is the practical application of Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24? What's the practical application of it? Okay. That's not what it says. It doesn't say if you have a problem with someone, go to that person. It doesn't say that. Right. See, God is more concerned about our hearts because our hearts will be reflective of how we act. And if somebody has has a problem with you, you need to do everything in your power to go to that individual and reconcile. Now, what what if that person says, I want nothing to do with it? You're on your own, buddy. What is the what is what does God say? You've done what you can. It's on it's on that individual now. I then now I can go back to the altar and I can give my offering but I've done everything I can do to make it right. Okay, back to the book. <clears throat> Any questions before, before we move on? Okay. <clears throat> uh, forgive 
forgive from your heart. Uh, some offenses can simply be forgiven without the uh, the need of uh, of uh, even uh, f- uh, for discussion. If you can forgive the other person from your heart without bringing it up to them, start there. Uh, somebody you want to read Ephesians chapter four, uh, verse uh, thirty-two. Oh, yeah, I just read it a couple minutes ago. Yeah, don't worry about it. Um, Next blank here. Go to the other person. Um, Most differences between Christians uh, could be resolved if both parties would just simply talk to one another. And that is so true. That is so true. I I can't tell you how many. I, I got a phone call one day. From a I, I when I when I was at the college, I actually taught. I was a professor at the college, and and I, I got a random phone call. I don't know, probably five or six years ago. It's it was it's you know anyway about five or six years ago I get a phone call from some some kid that had been in my class, and he says, hey, this is so and so. Do you remember me? And I'm like, I recognize the name, but you know, honestly, you know, at my age, putting faces and names together sometimes doesn't work too good. Anyway, and he says, and I said, well, yeah, I I I, I know your name, you know, and uh, and he says, he said, he said, uh, Mr. Lynn, he says, I, I need I need to ask you to forgive me. And I said, okay, why? I mean, I don't even know this kid. And he said. You gave us a test or, or something, and I cheated. And he said, I, 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 I'm calling you to ask you to forgive me. And I said, I said praise God. Praise God. I mean, I would have, I would have never known. And then, and then the kid, when he hung up with me, was going to call the college and tell the college and see if they wanted to adjust his grade. I'm like, praise God for that. Now, I hope they didn't, but, you know, but, you know, just just go to someone and say, hey, I, I did wrong. And, and the reality is, if the person you're going to is walking with God, it's going to be a happy time, not a sad time. Because the reality is, hey, we all mess up. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Somebody want to read that one. And then somebody can turn to Proverbs 26, 22. <clears throat> okay, go ahead. Amen. Amen. Uh, we, when we air our grievances with others, we add to the hurt involved and minimize the possibility of reconciliation. Hence, the, the translation to that sentence is this. If you go to Facebook and you vent on Facebook, you just made it almost impossible to get right. Or if you call someone... I can't believe so-and-so did so-and-so. And then they call, and then you have this, 
you've just made it almost impossible to reconcile. This is why Scripture tells us to simply go to the person who has offended us. Proverbs, anybody got Proverbs 26? Okay, go ahead. The words of a tailbearer are as wounds and they go down into the innermost parts of the earth. Ooh. <laughs> wow. <Ouch. laughs> okay, somebody look up Matthew chapter 18, uh, verses 16 and 17, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and do the next blank here. Um, share with someone else who can be a part of a solution. If you try to go to the other person, but they will not hear you, uh, uh, and if the matter is of a ser- serious nature, so that it would hurt others, <clears throat> if it is not resolved, uh, privately bring it to the church leadership and ask for their help in seeking a recon- reconciliation. Okay, uh, who wants to read Matthew 18? Okay, Brian. I got it. Uh, it was 18, what? 16 and 17. Okay, uh, 16. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be put unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Amen. Okay. Now this next sentence here, where the, there, you got two blanks. Uh, underline the, this, the, the sentence. If you have a highlighter, highlight it, because this is absolutely critical. In all these steps, remember that the goal is not to prove who is right or who is wrong, but to bring about reconciled relationship. It's not about proving who's right or wrong. That's not the point. It can never be the point. It doesn't matter if you're right. All that matters is that the relationship is restored. I know in, in, in our 40 years of having discussions, it's not about who's right or wrong, but it's about our fellowship, our relationship being broken. And the only thing that matters is getting it restored. It's not about who wins. If, you, if you're, if you're in, a dis, in a discussion with your spouse and you're trying to win the discussion... Everyone loses. Everyone loses. And the same thing goes with friendships. It's not about who's right or wrong. It's about restoration. And then the closing paragraph here says, uh, the relationships uh, with our brothers and sisters in Christ are valuable. We should not treat them lightly nor discard them quickly. Be committed to love and serve one another in your church family, and when there is conflict to, uh, what's that word? Tenaciously, Tenaciously, man. Uh, To tenaciously seek restoration. No, I I love that. That's a great word. Uh, To tenaciously seek restoration to the relationship. It's about restoration. It's not about who wins and loses. 
Okay, we're a little over, so let's pray and ask God to bless this time together. Lord, we are truly thankful and grateful for your love, for the work you do in our lives. Lord, I want to thank you for this, this section of the study because it is so important that we get it right. Nobody, nobody, nobody likes to deal with conflict. But we all have to learn how to do it properly so that restoration can take place. We love you and we thank you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.